Hi, I'm Lisa Lloyd, and I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. As a psychologist, psychotherapist, and business owner of It's Time for Change, I meet so many talented individuals who are aligned with my mantra, get people right, get business right. I'm going to be talking to some of these super interesting people who have stories, insights, and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company with inspiring leadership, awesome culture, and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. So I'm excited to be joined by Anna Hamza today. She's VP of Product at Venture Harbour. Hello, Anna. Hi. So I've known you for a few years since I provided workshops around mental health and well-being. That's going back a while. Um, uh, But your ongoing commitment at Venture Harbour to uh, create a place that's great to work has been really evident. And when I was working with the Thames Valley Chamber of Commerce Steering Group and we put together um, a resource looking for case studies of really good practice, you were a really obvious choice. And so I thought it made sense to invite you here today to explore some of what you've been doing and how you've been going about it and some of the challenges and some of the successes. Um, the Thames Valley resource is um, building a positive mental well-being culture, which went live in December. And I should put the link to that in the show notes so that people can then look at what you did in detail alongside some other mm. companies um, who have also done some really great things. So perhaps we should start by hearing a little bit about what a VP a product does and um, and and just your role, because you always have this kind of role title, but actually I know from knowing you, Anna, you do a whole host of things at Venture Harbour. So tell us a little bit about what you do, what your role is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like you say, um, the role of product is often much wider than it's um, advertised as, mm. um, and especially working in a small company as well. So the core of what I do is uh, to bring um, products to market, SaaS products in this case, um, and working with a engineering team and working with uh, marketers to bring these great customer experiences to market so that we can delight people it's um you know it it can sound a little cheesy but it's really really important um to make sure that what we're building is something that is not only valuable for people but actually improves what they're doing and that can be you know in a very small space um you know it can be a very specific problem that they're having or it can be something very big Mm. um and I've had a long career in um tech leadership um and it's been about 15 years now um uh, of, of doing that, leading teams, developing technology. And I've done that across a range of um, very, very small startups. So ground up from three people in a, in a flat in Clapham mm-hmm. all the way to um, you know, huge multinationals um, with hundreds of thousands of employees. Mm-hmm. And um, the one thing that's been a very common thread across all of those areas is you know, if you if you truly do care about, um, you know, customer experience and, you know, empathy with the customer, it's very hard to not then also care about team experience and, um, I guess, employee experience, as it's probably more formally called. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, really thinking about, um, you know, what makes us what makes us work better and work smarter, but avoid the really common problems that we have in the technology space um, and those can be around um, uh, those can be around burnout those can be around um, rapid change um, and shifting sands and uh, impossible targets and lack of diversity and all of these things and so over the years I've just become as well as you know as well as this real deep passion for building incredible products i have a very deep passion for making sure that the people who are building those products are putting their kind of um you know putting their heart and soul into something but they're not trading that off for having to go off sick for six months or feel like they're not being listened to and so those are really like really kind of i'm very evangelical about them and i, I feel very strongly um you know having kind of come up you know, the mm. hard way yeah. um, in very, very undiverse spaces. Um, 
and being able to to help other people do that. So that's really what, you know, as a very kind of top level, like what employee experience and kind of team experience means to me and why I'm so passionate about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, alongside that, it's also, it's also just building cool products, cool technology. It's very exciting. <laughs> I love that. So if, <laughs> when, because um, when you joined Venture Harbour, I think you were the first female on the team. Am I right in thinking that? You were the first yes. in the team. Yeah. And I think that's also interesting because I know when you came and you were, as you say, you're very passionate about employee experience and, um, and creating a work place I use that term really loosely because what is our workplace now we're all so many of us work sure. remote, but yeah, yeah. that's that kind of culture where we are all looked after and communicate well and so on and I know that was kind of on the agenda from almost day one when you started is that was that something because you just bought that with you or was there were was Venture Hub already kind of set up in that space or was it you know was it how did that kind of come about was there a real obvious need for it or did you just want to do things differently and shake things up a bit I think um, it's a, a little bit of both. Um, Venture Harbour, when I joined, was already in the process. Um, I joined in, in the um, middle of 2020, so the middle of um, lockdowns and um, mm. and people being, you know, forced, I suppose, to work from home as mm. opposed to travelling to the workplace. Um, and and so the transition of um, having the type of experience that would foster creativity and learning and enthusiasm and, um, and, and, and kind of this connectedness was already in progress. Mm. Um, I think my natural instinct as well um, to, you know, it's, it's not the first time I've come into an all male team. Um, and it's almost a surprise when there are other women in the team as well mm. um, and other women had worked at Venture Harbour previously as permanent employees mm. and they also um, you know we also have contractors who mm. um, are female as well so it's not um, it's not suddenly the sort of rarefied mm. area but I felt very strongly that you know we were we were about to launch into a very um, kind of aggressive build of a new venture and and I wanted to question whether the structure around supporting people, especially going through the pandemic as well. Um, I think that, you know, I, I am absolutely not a doctor, but I do think that you, it's quite evident that it's been a huge impact on people and a huge impact of where people are, you know, where they ended up, you know, um, mm. in terms of their, their physical space, you know, where they had to sort of go and shelter, if you like, um, you know, the environments they were in, um, and suddenly all the things that you can provide as a company just mm. become irrelevant. And so I wanted to question what it was that we were doing and were we listening to everyone's kind of, you know, uh, issues and were we allowing them time to, think about you know what would make them happier um yeah. during the process because you you can't build products with unhappy teams you can but it's very difficult <laughs> and a very painful experience and that's not something that you know and that comes from the top as well in venture Harbor. so it's a very it's very much a culture led by we do not want burnout and we do not want mm -hmm. um we don't want we don't we don't want struggle and we don't want people to feel like they don't have flexibility and mm. um that we don't care about that so I just wanted to add my voice to that and and, and having had experience with it as well mm -hmm. felt like it was a good time to step in and say you know coming up to the end of the year let's think about 2021 let's think about this need we have to be better across the board mm -hmm. how do we execute that across um, how we build products, how we approach mental health awareness, mm. how we um, how we learn, how we work together to take collective action, um, and how we become better all round. So mm. I think that was really like you know. So it wasn't you know, and I and I think if you um, you know if you have a look at the case study, I, I'm sort of unreasonably clear in there. It, it wasn't because of some seismic event. Yes. It was just this need to 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 be a small but mighty powerhouse to not have to enter hyper growth stage like a lot of other startups do um in order to achieve something it was we can do this because we're a group of brilliant people yeah and you know and how do we unlock all our potential to do that so yeah hopefully and I and I, and I and I love that um your breadth 
and depth of thinking about employee experience and employee engagement because you know the 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 reason I brought up the fact that when you joined the team you were the first female on the team is because I remember having that conversation with you uh, and your HR person right at the start yeah I think actually we're just aware that there's subtle communication differences now in terms of how we uh, what we pick up on and what we might miss and how we communicate either deliberately or you know unconsciously yeah and um and even just kind of you know I remember I still remember doing some of that in um in the workshop around kind of gender differences and how our brains work and so on and having some fun around that but I think just that insight just that awareness that everyone brings something different how we see how we view the world is um is very unique and when we take a step back and look at actually what's going on for us day to day Mm including sort of how we communicate how we relate to each other that's a really great starting point and I think that's why from day one I was quite impressed with you just your level of awareness around that and it's and it's about you know in the case study there was, there was um a line about uh creating or helping individual team members to take ownership to help the yeah. whole team achieve its collective goals and I like that sense of you looking after individuals and how making sure that they're in the right place so that collectively you are an awesome team and I think yeah. that, that comes through very very strongly yeah I think there's a lot of um there's a lot of misconception in tech about uh, about developers and about product people there's a real sense of like there's a real duality to it so on one hand um, and, you know, this is thankfully not the case to Venture Harbour, but, yeah. you know, in my experience and other companies, there's, there's this sense that, um, you know, the, the, the tech team and, you know, broadly including product teams as well, um, work magic, but, but they do it at your behest, you know, it's a, it's a sort of tame magician or a sort of mm. magician that you keep in the dungeon type thing. Mm. And as kind of weird as that sounds and it's this real sense of just um of like you're both worth a lot but also not really a person um and you're a resource and you are something that can just be like a robot that can just be commanded to do stuff but I don't really you know as a as a business owner often don't understand exactly what it is that um that sort of goes on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that's part of the product job is to translate that but even so um you get a lot of um dehumanizing I think yes and so you know in companies where that happens um you know the other part of of a product role is to try and both promote the fact that these are people (laughs) like however you view them and and often as well you know with with companies there's this sense of I can offshore it so I can just send it out to a near or or offshore team wherever they may be and it becomes a really faceless process Mm -hmm. and just a this is something that just happens and I think you know and I think I've never seen teams that are treated like that work at their best Mm. and if you give people individual voices and you give them a chance to shape and to influence what's happening you get a better all-round view and that's kind of the core of diversity as well right like you just if you don't listen to people then how on earth are you going to make better decisions um and I you know and I it's something that's been you know it was a frustration previously and one thing that you know it was you know when I talk about kind of adding to the venture harbor mindset rather than transforming it this is exactly the you know the thing you know we'd already got um this sense of um empowering individuals and there was already um you know there were already um some really good schemes in place around individual learning and some of the practices that that I brought in and and you know and we developed as a team as well were around trying to trying to encourage people to give their voice, not be discouraged when the voice, you know, what they really wanted and what they were very passionate about and what they finally finally sort of managed to get mm. the courage to speak out about, you know, there are always reasons why sometimes you can't do those things. And, you know, prioritization is a big thing in my world. You know, there, there are just, you, you, you can't do everything all at once. Otherwise it's total chaos. Yeah. Um, so I think there was like, you know, there, there was a lot of you know there's there's a lot of coaching that you kind of have to do and like part of this is yeah like I said setting up these processes where people can people feel very empowered to give their suggestions to think of solutions to think about problems and making it very problem focused rather than just 
diktats that get handed down mm. from on high, um, you know, and then you're halfway through one thing and suddenly it changes to be something else. And that rapid change really undermines um, employee experience if you don't have the consistency of reasoning behind it. And often when you see leadership almost dehumanizing the engineering and like the, the product mm. teams, it's this sense of, well, it doesn't matter. Like, why should you be worried about it? I'm, you know, I'm still paying your wage. And that's an incredibly destructive yeah. way of thinking about it. Um, and it does not get the best out of people. So yeah, so that's kind of, um, you know, that's that's really where that came from. And I think it's really interesting, isn't it? The whole, you know, you've touched on that rapid change and so many, you know, so many companies are obviously going through rapid change at the moment, but just when that's, as you say, passed mm. down from up high and it yeah. just kind of gets you know people make certain decisions and they just pass pass it on down and expect everyone yeah. just to adopt and adapt yeah. without the understanding without that sense yeah. of you ask the questions and work out how that fits with their model of reality and yeah what feels threatening and actually what feels exciting and I think yeah. it's really interesting when when companies forget to do that bit either they just forget because they're, they're so moving so fast and they they don't value the the employees as much as they should or passengers don't know how but yeah. they end if they if they miss that vital part of communicating and helping people understand what's really going on being able to reason with it we end up then seeing all those that kind of resistant behavior that pushback that kind of talking behind people's backs moaning about stuff mm-hmm. um feeling quite fearful of failure because they don't yeah. really coming and does it does it fit what they already understand and, and feel competent at so it, that's such an important point. And I think when you read the points about, you know, this almost the titles of people's roles restricts what we think about them. Yeah. So, so you're mentioning <laughs> the tech. It's like so many people say, oh, you know, tech. Yeah, they're those people who just sit in a kind of dark room and just get on with creating stuff. And as you say, they're, they we almost dehumanize them. But actually, we've got to get beyond the roles in terms of what does that person yeah. re- really do and who are they <laughs> really and almost scrap this whole notion of um this is a tech person actually this person adds this value rather than this yeah. is what they deal with day to day yeah absolutely so what we've one of the things that we've been very um evangelical about inside venture harbor is is really thinking about how you show impact um mm-hmm. and really making outcome um, the important thing rather than delivery, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, um, you know, from a from a product point of view, that means one thing, but also from an individual's contribution point of view, it's it's making sure that, and this is why I feel very strongly about um, OKRs and objective and key result-based mm. metrics, because the, the right way to do it and the way that, you know, and it is, the implementation is also key as well, but is to have everyone contribute so that people feel like they are saying what it is that they want to achieve, mm. but it's all under one <laughs> very clear framework so that they so that everything from the bottom to the top ladders up to the same thing. And that's so key. If you have that consistency, you can very easily manage accountability you can optimize during the process as long as you're you know you're not trying to hit um you know every couple of days a different key result you know if you're looking at it from a quarterly point of view Mm. it just means there's that consistency it means that there's always a reason to 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 be able to justify why you're asking someone to do things and I think sometimes it can get a bit like you know I've seen this in previous companies it gets a bit lost where people almost you know it's kind of along with this dehumanizing thing that people think that you know you don't deserve an explanation of why something's changed Mm -hmm. I've made a decision and I've you know and for whatever reason that the person in leadership has had to struggle or fight or you know you never know what's behind Mm -hmm. the pain of their decision but then it becomes like a you don't understand how hard it was for me to fight for this and so therefore you cannot question it and you don't deserve a you know you don't deserve a voice in why and I and that for me was always wrong and it's very very hard you know and having sat there you know in, in previous companies and had to say to you know to engineers um, okay, so um, I know last month we said we were really going to focus on this, and that, that was the most important thing. Um, I have now received some information that means we're going to have to change that. And, you know, 
they don't have any, you know, the people I was working with didn't have any filters and it was a why and what's going on and, you know, why was, why is the rug being pulled from under me and, you know, um, I've put all of my, like, I was doing extra hours, like, you know, because I really cared about this mm. thing and, and it just, it's heartbreaking to see and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's also hard for an intermediary, though, that is a big part of my job as well is to make sure that, is to make sure that those reasons get passed down and so it's kind of, you know, um, like if you if you if you have a transparency about what you're aiming for, it's much easier to be able to say to, to justify changes because change is important and optimization is really important mm. in order, you know, for the you know for the experience and for what you're doing and and everything. And if you can't justify it, like you can't yeah. you can't get people along on the ride. And if you can't do that, then like you say, people are just going to sit there and moan about you behind exactly. the water cooler. As exactly. <laughs> But you've also just um, kind of mentioned a really important part of this, which is about the kind of intermediary level. Mm. And so you might end up having decisions coming from the top down, uh, which a lot of people don't like. But it's the skill, uh, which kind of is all around emotional intelligence, those relationships and so on, around being able to pass on that news and still to them a sense of way. So it's not, so you might have the same piece of news to pass on. You could just deliver it in terms of, well, this is now what we've got to do, end of. Yeah. Or this is what we've got to do. I know it sucks. I know actually you worked really, really hard. I know how dis- and having the whole empathy, I'm I've got your yeah. back, I'm in it with you, I feel the pain. Um, let's just kind of take a step back, acknowledge how rubbish this really feels, and yeah. regroup and then set our next trajectory and I think when that's the bit often is missing I think when we're we're putting a lot of pressure a lot of expectation around that level of management to be able to actually take the hit themselves on the change of direction because for them it's going to mean you know undoing or kind of undermining a lot of work they've done but then also being able to pass that on and deal with the, the emotional fallout which a lot of people don't feel confident doing yeah, I absolutely. Um, often I find, um, and and again, you know, my experience is is very much based around being being a, a woman in in a largely all male team, yeah. you know, and 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 being you know being the person who um, is expected to also deliver the empathy as well, you know, and and mm-hmm. yes, it's part of my job, but also it's a oh. Anna will do that like that's something she's good at she can handle that um and in previous companies you know I I was I I think I was just a bit naive sometimes I remember a training session that um I did years and years ago where um the trainers were talking about the difference between empathy and sympathy mm. um and there were two women in the room who were like well yes obviously <laughs> um you know not not to say yeah, yeah, yeah. about it and 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 it genuinely you know there were um four or five male leaders in the room as well who were stumped like and I was so shocked I was like well if not everyone is you know is inherently empathetic and that's okay but but you surely understand what empathy is and one of them had to take the men aside and like another guy and was just like so you know when your wife comes home and she um and she's telling you about a problem and you step in and you're like, oh, you should do this. And then you should do this and you should do this. Um, and then she gets really mad at you. Um, and all she wanted you to do was listen. Like, that's empathy. <laughs> and they were like, huh? <laughs> and you it was what? just. <laughs> that sounds like a conversation I've had quite recently with my husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it and, might... <laughs> and it's not for it's not for lack of wanting. Yeah. To, yeah. Um, be someone yeah. who is his doing the right thing but it just exactly. wasn't on his radar he, yeah. didn't, he didn't know how to um to yeah. do it as well as I wanted him to do it and I know probably my expectations are quite high um but I think when I you know when we are really switched on to just those mm-hmm. subtle differences I remember I haven't done any for a few years now but I remember going and, and running workshops around um uh, emotional intelligence and mm. unpicking some of this and actually saying what does it look like in practice you know how do we have tricky conversations tricky conversations yeah. are always you know that's the that's the bane of a lot of people's life in terms of I need to say this or I'm not happy about that but I don't know how to go about it and if you can yeah. go about it from a position of 
having empathy, being able to have some understanding of what's motivating the other person, what they're wanting, how you can come to, you know, how each person can have their voice and, and feel feel heard and then you yeah. find your way together. Um, that's that really helps but so many people don't that's not innate knowledge we don't have that yeah unless someone models it for us or uh just just takes time to explain it to us and I think that's something that a lot of companies could perhaps be doing more of I can I completely agree I think I think this is where things like the structure and the transparency and the goals come in and this you know and, and, and a sense that Things will change, but we will do this for positive reasons. Yes. Really helps with that because those conversations become significantly easier. It becomes a lot less about, you know, sitting down and worrying that the person that you're telling, you know, bad news to, or mm. you're, um, or you're saying no to a pay rise or whatever it is. Mm. Um, you know, you if you have that justification that's always being clear, then you know, you have insurmountable data to, to help back up your conversation. And if it's hard for you to talk your way around it, and you don't have that training in empathy or emotional intelligence, then this is a really good way of doing it. And I think that, you know, we always assume that, um, you know, either there's someone who can do that for us or, um, you know, or it doesn't matter, um, you know, and, and, and why should I have to give you a justification? But I think, I think, you know, the step that companies can take to be very clear about what they're laddering up to, what it means, what the company's trying to achieve um, and not hiding. I mean, you're not, you know, it's not it's not to say that everyone needs access to the balance sheets, but you need to understand yeah, yeah, like yeah. what direction you're going in so that you yeah. can be useful as yeah. well. And, you know, if you want to expect people to kind of go above and beyond in terms of their thinking, this is a way to do it. But it also provides a positive framework I think for um, having those difficult conversations or having conversations where you need to introduce change but you need it to not feel like an additional burden and not feel like the star of spiral of you know like suddenly like everything's going to go horribly wrong and you know this thing I'm working on and just abandon it you know and all of those yeah 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 yeah. okay so talk about some of the um other ways then that you have because you talked about enabling people to have their voice so we now mm-hmm. empower people and you talked about kind of collective goal setting and so on are mm. there other things that you've done in particular that have helped you become you know venture harbor become where it is today yeah so i think um the learning budgets are really helpful here as well and being able to empower people to go and do learning that they want to do um, and that interests them and that creates um, you know creates a sense of, of, of ownership in terms of particular areas that they they might be interested in that they want they feel passionate about as well um, and not just sending people on kind of conferences that they don't really care about. Um, but also, the, I think it's the individual nature of training budgets that really helps here as well, mm-hmm. rather than team training budgets. Because I've worked in places before where you've had to make decisions. You know, it's been a finite amount of money, which is fine. But then you have to make a decision of, you know, two people. Do they get, mm-hmm. you know, do, does someone get the expensive you know training and kind of like diploma course or mm. does you know does does everyone get like one unified <laughs> bit of yes. bit of bit of training about something that's more common and I think that really helps as well again it's empowerment and it's um allowing people to explore things about themselves that they can then bring back to the company and whether or not it's like, you know, it's not necessarily a justification of you have to, um, you know, you have to find a new skill and then you have to bring it back and you have to, uh, you know, have to make sure everyone else is using it. It's it's just bringing that passion in. And I think supporting anyone to feel passionate about things that they do is one of the most important things that we can do, especially in a small company as well. It's so visible if yeah. um if someone's having you know an off day or someone's just really not feeling it or mm. um you know or someone's really stuck and they can't mm. really work out their way 
out of it. It's just, it kind of resonates much louder, echoes much louder than it would mm. in a bigger company. Um, but it does mean as well that you, you know, it's, it's, it's giving the individual that choice too. And it's not saying you have to, um, you know, you have to adhere to the training that we've set. And then sometimes, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, we do kind of um, push people a little bit into, into training that they might not be, you know, they might not have chosen for themselves as well, which is also important, but it's not as a, um, a compromise to their own individual learning as well. So I think that's a really important thing to, to bring to the table. Yeah, and I think what underpins all that is, is the obvious trust that people have their training budgets and they're going to go and use it wisely. They're going to choose something that it they can bring back, although it may not be obviously connected in a way that, yeah. if, you know, as leadership, you might say, well, we could do with someone doing X, Y, and Z. Actually, when you allow your employees to think, well, this is what I'm really passionate about. This is what excites me. This is what, if I go and do this, it'll, in, it'll increase my sense of confidence or my knowledge or my skills around this particular area. And although they might not be specifically about my role, they're transferable skills. And yeah. so that's going to impact on me. And I think, again, it's thinking outside the box, isn't it? So rather mm. than training being that kind of very predictable, um, these are the kinds of typical courses we send people on who are in your role. It's actually what excites you and yeah my daughter this morning was talking about street dance she does street dance <laughs> and um and actually when you when you look at street dance website it's not really about the dance it's about confidence so mm. someone can go and do something completely different but it means that they then have the confidence to stand in front of a room full of people and perform whatever that might look like and to try new things and to express themselves and so on then that's a great thing and I think it's it's very much um it's thinking wider than the very obvious stuff we tend to inherit from what's gone before in, in yeah. our places of work. Definitely. I, I you know, and I love that idea of, of, of empowering people with confidence as well. Mm. And like, you know, and, and giving them something more than they have experienced before. And I, I, you know, even the, even something that I consider as basic as setting expectations for people mm. um, is something that you don't, always get and you know it's like a spiral effect if you don't give people the sense of direction um, yeah. and this this is also quite a product thing as well this is you know one of the core cool things that I do is, is set direction um, but it's not just for, for product itself it's also for you know it's for the it's it's for the company it's for mm -hmm. it's for confidence in the decision making you know um, and I and I think if you if you give people that and they can move towards it. It just, it, it opens up so much more. And what, ultimately what we want out of this is we want people to feel empowered to come back with better suggestions. Mm. You know, I'm not, you know, I, I have a lot of experience and I've been around a long time, um, but I don't know all the answers. And, you know, technology especially changes so rapidly. Yeah. I don't sit at the forefront of, um, you know, all the blog posts and, you know, exciting developments that happen and the, mm. the breakthroughs that other people have had, but, but some people do. And, you know, if, if we can open up any channels um, to encourage people to come forward with exciting new ideas or suggestions, and you know not feel that they're going to get shot down with um you know with no's then mm -hmm. then that's what we do so I think that's you know that's the ultimate aim um which ultimately leads to better ventures it leads to better um you know better products that we build and it leads to yeah. to happier employees and that's that's really what we're trying to to get yeah. at and, and one of the I mean everything you're describing is psychological safety in, in mm. uh, and one of the things you talked about in your case study was about closing the loop and you know I've well I've seen evidence of that from when um when going mm. back I did some of the workshop stuff with you but then actually you provided for every member of your team a one-to-one -one with me to explore yeah. any, any of what they'd learned in the workshop or any of the things that they were trying to process or, or have a go with any strategies or something that just didn't fit for them or a sticking point and yeah just giving them most companies don't do that so most people send them off yeah. in a workshop and people will often be asked to rate a workshop and they'll say yeah that's great whatever but actually what impacts that have and it's yeah. that sense of actually being able to give people a chance to apply new learning 
just process it think this this didn't work or I don't get that or what about I'm still stuck with yeah being able to then have that space to be able to have those conversations and I know when we did that with your company everyone said that they found it incredibly helpful because it was taking it from I've now been given this kind of general insight into um mental yeah. well-being and how to make sure I'm doing everything I can to, to make, help myself be in the best position but actually we all have individual things like mm. if only you could speak to someone and say I'm stuck with this really annoying habit or I can't seem to motivate myself to do such and such or whatever it is but that was really impressive because that for me was that almost that closing the loop of learning trying then having the one-to-one and then you can go and try again and you go away with a pl- an individual plan and then you can revisit that and say so how does that go and yeah. that's that's taking that sense of personal development to a whole nother level isn't it definitely I didn't I, you know one thing I would credit here is um is how technology products are built because it uses a lot of that um test measure learn mm. loop and um, you know, it's invaluable. You can't um, you can't build successful products if you don't um, if you don't close that loop mm. and you you just assume that everything you've built is going to be fine in the market and you're like you're you know you're done with it like walk away like and so <laughs> I think my training in building products is something that I then apply. I mean, like, we kind of talked about this through the whole chat. Um, you know, something mm. that I also apply to the to, to how we think about the team as well. And it's exactly that, you know, if we don't get feedback from the team, we can't optimize, we can't change things unless we know that there's a problem. Um, and, and gathering that data and doing that research is so fundamental. Um, but also just being able to say it's not one training session that you then can walk away from. You know, I've done countless number of those in the past and, you know, you get a little printout and that's lovely. And, you know, you've learned something about your colleagues and that's nice and you've you know you've done a few bits Mm -hmm. and bobs here and had a nice lunch um but like it's not that helpful when you then go into work the next day and you think you know yourself you think oh I'd love to put into practice the things that I'm seeing and you see everyone else go just ignoring them you know but but giving that space to be able to say all right you know on a personal level like I I don't need to know what you know what people's particular issues are I just need to know that they have the space to be able to work on them to think about to be self-aware about them as well Mm -hmm. and to know that it's not um Mm. you know it's not the um you know it's not the end of the world um when bad things happen that they have coping mechanisms they have all of these things um I guess that you're saying psychological Mm -hmm. safety and I um I feel very strongly about it because because it's such an, you know, you see the transformational effect that it has when you build a product. And you can see it when, when, when you build a yeah. team as well. Like you can, you can see the same thing. And why, you know, why wouldn't we apply what we know um, about making successful, making money from, you know, from technology products to helping the people in our team. And I think that's really where I, I want to try to diverge as much as possible from this, like, previous experience of seeing people being dehumanized because you don't do that with people that you consider mm. um you you consider just a resource or a headcount yes. um you know you, yeah. you you can do it when you when you have the kind of capacity to say all right let's let's give yeah. people a chance to follow up on this let's give them a chance to feedback let's give them a chance to voice their opinion like mm. are we doing are we doing you you know a, a good thing for you mm. you know if we it's even basic things like, you know, if we have a get together as a team and, um, you know, and, and we choose somewhere to go and eat, like, did you have enough options on the menu? Yeah, like you all have different dietary requirements and yeah. that's fine. But am I, you know, I'll, it's a little thing that we can do that will make the experience significantly better. So, mm. and then asking them afterwards, like, you know, not asking them at the time in front of everyone and saying, did you enjoy your dinner? Yes. Yes. Well, you look like you finished it. So that's great. You know, but not assuming, not assuming that yeah. they did. And I think that's the really key thing. It's never assuming that you know someone's inside life. Um, never and how assuming. Bad. And, but it's also caring. It's showing you. Yeah. Because yeah. you can check out assumptions. You can do that in quite a factual way. But I think what you're describing, Anna, is really demonstrating your care for, for your team. And I think there's a real difference between we're kind of just, we're asking the questions because we feel we ought to ask the questions 
yeah I'm asking a question because I really really want this I genuinely want this to be a good experience for you and I think how again how people do that like I'm just gonna ask you at the end of the meal to do you'll have a great time yes tick that box um versus the the way you've just described again sets that it's those little things that set the tone for your culture about yeah those little bits that really demonstrate that this is genuine this isn't something yeah. we're just doing the things we're supposed to do because they were because we're supposed to do them um Absolutely. and again I think that's what makes that's that's the difference between a company being great and and a company who's just kind of just coasting along or just just ticking the boxes and I know yeah. one of your things is that you always want to be better is that sense yeah. of being yeah. better do you do you think you have still got further to go do you think you are better I think both um you can never stop optimizing when when you you know there is a point where maybe everything is is is, is perfect and you you know change will have a negative effect yeah but to be honest um you know even with um, you know, even with making, and the other, the other thing as well is it's not making, like you say, it's not making huge, huge changes. It's not, I don't think it's about, it's not about getting a branding agency in and rethinking, um, you know, rethinking your company values and coming up with a, a, a nice color scheme for that, although there is value in that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not about using swear words in your value to emphasize, you know, how cool you are. Mm-hmm. Um it's about making it's about making continuous and positive changes that you can show the impact of as well. Like you have to be able to show that something has made a change. Otherwise, what was the point in doing it? Exactly. Um, and you have to be transparent with that. And you have to be transparent with your failures as well and say, this didn't work. And this is why we're moving on. But you can't do that unless you have this structure, unless you have a transparent um, and, you know, a strong structure. And you also have the ability to, to recognize that you might not make all the best decisions, you know, and other people can come along and make great decisions Mm. and they might be junior to you, but they can still make great decisions and you can still consider that. And their voices are as important as, um, you know, as your, as your major kind of, you know, exec stakeholders or, you know, a VC group or whatever it is, you know, whoever is kind of um, pulling the strings at the top. Mm. And I think that's just really important is, is make constant, small positive changes mm. um yeah and I, I think it's and you're, what you're describing is uh it's a conversation I had with someone yesterday about flattening the hierarchy I think we almost get mm. so we almost get caught up in this person is a junior or this person's a senior and therefore that person's surely going to know more than that person but if we just kind of get rid of those yeah. labels and just take everybody for who they are in terms of what they bring the value they bring we, we can get over that hurdle of, well, I can't possibly be advised <laughs> by this person or corrected by this person. Of course you can. Um, but I think sometimes those blinkers, it's a bit like you're saying at the start of this about you have the role tech and people make assumptions. And I think we just need to get beyond those, those titles. Yeah, so, definitely. So are there any particular challenges that you um, have kind of come across that you think, actually, this is something worth, worth mentioning, worth exploring that other people might be experiencing something similar um I think it's it's kind of what we've talked about so far it's um the challenge is always um is always making sure the change is you know any changes that you make and any optimizations you make are positive mm. and that they that there is a balance between constant change and almost calmness in a way as well so the challenge is um you know can often be well this changed and I don't know where this is now and I don't know what's happening and you know and I think <laughs> yeah you get lost. I think that's yeah and I and I you know I think we've, we've had a lot of that in the last two years as well mm. a lot of change a lot of uncertainty um, a lot of kind of you know high level government advice being unclear and you know those mm-hmm. kind of things that people just don't feel mm. confident in what's, mm. what the, the, the path forward and I think um, I think that's reflective in 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 um, work as well and I think the challenge to um, the the challenge is is to to keep as positive as possible and to make sure the changes aren't aren't sort of silver bullet seismic changes but then also to you know but the way to to counter that and the way to make sure that they are is is to report back on impact mm. is to let people know this worked this didn't work this is how we're tracking this mm. um 
you know, this, 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 this change coming up is how we're going to address this. And, and that constant conversation. And people don't always want to tune into that conversation, but you need to keep having it. Absolutely. And you need to keep saying it to people. And at some point they realize, no, you are doing this for me. You are caring about my, you know, my life at work. You are trying to make it better. Um, yeah, I do want to contribute to that. And trying to chip away at people's feeling of isolation or you know, loneliness, negativity, anything that they experience because they're not feeling listened to or valued. And I, I think, think you, I think yeah. you hit a really good mess, uh, hit good point there, Anna. About sometimes people do this stuff and they don't feel it's being listened to, so they just stop. Yeah. yeah. Other than actually, if people have never had certain opportunities before or have been exposed to certain practice, then they they're not they're a bit skeptical about it. So you need mm. to just keep going to get people on side. And actually, if you after a while you think people still are not really listening or not engaging, then start checking out what could I be doing differently. Yeah. To help this feel more meaningful. But yeah. as I say, sometimes people will share information or they'll ask questions and people say, they, well, they didn't respond. It's like I left my office door open, no one came in, so I'll just shut it again. <laughs> so, no, no, you need to do this quite consistently consistently, and then ask, um, yeah. know, getting about how could we do it better. But I think also like your, your point about having a calm time, I think you described it as. Mm. So, you, so when there's so much change going on, it's very, I think it's very easy to kind of get caught up in that whirlwind of, well, to be the kind of, you know, super on top of it, you know, kind of innovative, ahead of the game, mm. we've got to be on it, constant change. And actually that's contrary to everything we know about how the brain works. So you can have periods of being really on and being, you know, driving forward. And then you have to just have those points of just sitting back and just being calm. And some people describe that as, well, they're slacking, they're not pushing, they're not on, on, on. And actually, it's not a slacking. You need to reframe that as it's kind of it's recovery time it's just yeah you know regrouping regenerating re you know it's, it's taking a step back and being able to take the pressure off get back into your kind of good state your healthy state before you take on the next challenge and I think that's then has the huge impact on outcomes because you yeah. can provide and producing great outcomes rather than they're great and then they just sort of de-escalate over time yeah absolutely and I think one of the things I learned, <clears throat> excuse me, very early on in, in building products was you need to build that into the plan. You need yeah. to build in a time to, to just stop and reflect. Mm -hmm. And there are practices within, um, you know, uh, technology methodologies that allow you to do that. Um, but you can bring that to the wider company as well. So there's a technique that um, we use in um, tech teams called retrospectives, which is a way to reflect on, um, you know, what went what went well, what went badly, what slowed us down, what sped us up, um, you know, what what are the dangers that we need to look out for, and you do these things periodically, and they are big big chats and <laughs> big structured chats where everyone is expected to contribute, um, you know, in back in in-person times, you know, it's all sticky notes on a, on a wall. Um, and then you, you talk together about what the future is and you, and you try to bring in a sense of, of listening to everyone's voices, um, but also being democratic about it. You know, one person's gripe about something really niche might not affect everyone else or it might. And, you know, and so therefore it's giving other people the chance to support that person too and say, yeah, I, you know, I, um, uh, you know, I also feel that or I'm also affected by that as well. But it's that moment of being able to say, you know what, today we're not today we're not doing hardcore ticket work, you know, or we're not, you know, we're not spending a day pushing towards a goal. We're going to step back and review what we've done mm. and think about it and and promote change from there rather than, um, you know, rather than just be on a constant hamster wheel. Creating a Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of. A lot of the time, you know, and you hear this a lot from um, uh, from leaders in tech as well, who who want to create that space, um, and it's a very counterintuitive thing to do because often, you know, especially if you're in a company where you've got funding and the funding is running out and your mm. runway is shortening every day, it's very very hard to justify mm. that space and that calmness. But often, it's that counterintuitive moment that you need in order to really have a breakthrough and figure out what it is that you do next and how you you know how you grow from here and how the team stays involved and stays motivated you know and not just kind of 
treating them like you know oh I'll throw a couple of steaks into the dungeon and <laughs> they'll they'll be fine you know yeah. I don't need sunlight it's fine you know like that kind of thing so yeah so sometimes the most counterintuitive yeah. things are the most important. Anna you have covered so much today is there anything that you would say almost is like a, a top tip for people you know if if you could say to companies now just go make sure you're doing this thing what would that be I think it would be it would be really listen really listen to your employees um and know that um it's not a weakness to care about their experience and it's not something that you can just you can just hand off to an HR team and say oh it's your responsibility it is a leadership from the top Mm. down thing and if you create a culture where people think you know, realize that you do care, you will have a culture where people want to stay and people want to do their best mm. and they want to do more with less. And that's not to say that they will, you know, be excited about working overtime. It's that they will just have the the space to do what they need to do and to think clearly and not to be distracted by mm. anxiety or worrying about what's, you know, what the next big kind of pivot is going to be. Um, but you can only really do that by listening to people and really overcoming your own prejudices on what you think people think and, you know, assume and, and care about and, yeah. and, and just take that, like do everything on based on data. Yes. Love that. Thank you very much, Anna. Um, if people want to get hold of you to like pick up on any of the things you've talked about today, mm. um, how are they, what's the best way of connecting? Um, on LinkedIn. Um, so I, um, Anna Hamza on LinkedIn um I think we'll um, put your we'll put your details yeah. in the show notes yeah so that's probably the best way to, to connect with me um if you have any questions about what I do <laughs> that was not clear um or or how I go about um you know how I go about trying to enact change um there's like a constant drip of positivity um <laughs> but yeah that would be the best place to fabulous to Anna, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, I thank you, Lisa. love our conversations. I always do. Um, <laughs> you make me smile. And and actually, it's just so refreshing because you're so positive and you're so committed. Um, so I'm really grateful for you sharing your learning and sharing your passion with everyone else. So thank you very, very much. Oh, thank you, Lisa. It's been fantastic. Thank you for joining me today on Beyond the Water Cooler. If you love it, I would really appreciate a five-star review as this helps more people to find the podcast. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you get notifications every time we publish a new episode. If something in this episode has got you chomping at the bit or if you'd like to discuss the topics covered in this podcast further, please do get in touch and we can continue the conversation. You can find me at lisa at itstimeforchange.co.uk my details are in the show notes. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on what I'm getting up to, I publish a monthly roundup. To sign up, head over to itstimeforchange.co.uk forward slash join the club. I'm always looking for new interesting people to chat with on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. So if you have a story to tell or know of anyone who would be an inspiration to talk to, please do get in touch. And lastly, I'd love to know what you would like to hear about on the podcast. So drop me a line for all suggestions. And that way I can make sure that what I'm talking about is most helpful. See you next time.